Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson, and I am here at the Top Golf Tournament benefiting the Harvest Center of Charlotte. And we've just had a, a great day so far. And right now I am joined by the executive director of the Harvest Center and also the chaplain for the Charlotte Hornets, Colin Pinckney. Colin, glad to see you, man. How are you? I'm great, Bryce. Glad to see you too, man. What a, what a great day this is to be with you and all these folks out here for a good cause. It, it, it's been awesome. Beautiful day. Great golf. Good uh, food. Can't yeah. beat it. So, so tell before we're going to talk a little NBA with you today, but before we do that, just give people kind of a, a quick snapshot on, on on what you guys are doing with the Harvest Center. Well, you know, Charlotte, a city with all of its wealth and all of its affluence, has a has a challenge with those who are homeless and and living in poverty in our community. Uh, and for the past many years, probably about seven years, we've been working really specifically to address those issues of homelessness, poverty, and unemployment from a faith-centered perspective. We believe that uh, it's, r- it's right that people living in the streets should have a place to live, a job, to work, and all those things. But at the end of the day, we believe ultimately it's a, it's a relationship with uh, the Savior of our souls, Jesus Christ, and ultimately makes transformation a reality in the lives of, of those in our community who've been knocked down by the, the, by the cares of life. So, you know, our mission is to is to create a community. You know, for us, the solution is how many people in our community care about those who are in need, and that's what we we believe is really the solution. So, wow! And so we're here today raising awareness, raising money to to help those efforts. So fill us in because the the, the past year for the Harvest Center has been huge, uh, big developments, and God's really been moving. Yeah, man, we 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 God's catapulted us in the last year to some amazing places. A year ago, this time. Uh, we had, you know, some houses and a soup kitchen, and we had some big dreams that God would expand our territory. He's done just that. Uh, you know, we we're fortunate enough to acquire the the property and assets of former Jackson Park Ministries, which is a great ministry partner in this city for many, many years. Oh yeah. You know, and to be able to come alongside them and kind of come in and back clean up with those guys and help take it across the finish line is just a privilege and an honor. So we're looking forward to, to more lives transformed than ever before. Our, our vision now is to see 2,000 lives mm. fully transformed for the glory of God. You know, and for, for us, that means we're taking homeless people into our program, and they're unemployed, and they've got issues. And our goal within a year's time of being in our program is to see them full-time employed, self-sufficient, uh, uh, ready and able to move into a permanent housing situation, and ultimately... The goal for us is that they connect to a community of faith in our mm. community. You know, one of the great resources our city has is churches. That's right. And so, you know, for us, success means people are connecting with those, those, those houses of worship, those spiritual communities where they find more of the life sustainability that we all need. We all need a Amen. good place to worship on Sundays and throughout the week. That's right. So part of this uh, message today and in, in letting these, these people that are here to support and play a little golf, uh, you started off talking about 
maybe our perspective of, of who the homeless person is or what the issue is in Charlotte. And, and many times we're a little off base with, with the reality of what's going on. So, so fill people in on what it means to be homeless in Charlotte and, yeah. and some of the major issues that are taking place. Yeah, the way I say it, uh, the easiest way to help people get a picture of this is that it's not always the guy with the sign that you see on the corner who is really the one hmm. in need in, in terms of really homeless. Uh, the homeless for us means it's a, it's a single mom with kids who is barely making it, and all she has to do is miss one rent payment and she's on the streets. Or all she has to do is have a husband uh, walk out on her and leave her and the kids, and that happens time and time again in this community. Uh, and so there are lots of people uh, who in our city are living in that housing insecure mode, uh, and those are the ones that we found that if we uh, come around them, support them with resources, job training, career advancement, financial management classes, uh, mental health and spiritual discipleship, all of those things that make for a healthy, well-lived life, then we see that people n- either move fully out of homelessness or they never fall into that that place. You know, one of the, the key areas we look at to find the people we serve is the CMS school system. Uh, our school system tells us that anywhere between three and 4,000 kids who go to school in the Charlotte-Mecklenburg school system are living in a state of homelessness. Wow. And we know from research that that's the most toxic mm. thing a child could have is not knowing where home is at the end of the school day, mm. where you're going to do homework, where you're going to find a place to eat, where you're going to sleep that night. And there are thousands upon thousands of kids living like that, and those kids are sometimes with a single mom, a grandmom, a lot of times they're with a two-parent family, and that parent, that family is just not earning enough money. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of different issues, but we're finding that if we can help that population, that's actually 90% of the homeless population in our town. Wow. And so a lot of times, again, you see the guy with the sign, and you wonder, can you solve that? And, you know, for what it's worth, there are some ways to help those men, but the ones who really, really need our help, mm. who need the full the full strength of the church and, and believers are those those 90%, those moms, those families, those individuals who are trying their best, and they're just, they just need a hand up, mm. not a hand out. That's right. That's so right. That's what, that's what we give them. He's Colin Pinckney, executive director with the Harvest Center of Charlotte. We're here at Top Golf for their uh, annual golf tournament here. And, and so you guys focus on the, the, the 90% that, that you described. What would you say to somebody listening today that sees the 10%? And, and maybe that is their, their mindset, or they, they drive by, they either feel guilty, they either feel convicted, and, and mm-hmm. actually you know, maybe give them a, a few bucks or give them a, a bag of food or something. But, but what is the, the suggestion there? What have you found to Well, you know what I say right to approach? people, there's no, there's no need in ignoring them, right? Mm. This is, Jesus himself said, the poor you will always have with you. Mm. And so they do represent that population a lot of times, and they've got their own issues and their own needs, um, and in most cases, uh, what we have found is those aren't the ones who are willing to try and move into full life mm. transformation, mm. which our program's about. Those are the, unfortunately, men and women who just are trying to subsist day to day, and they aren't really trying to move forward. Just survive that day. That's, they're just trying to survive for a day and, and, and find their way. And I say, hey, no harm, no foul. If you give them a dollar, you know, um, everybody needs a little bit of grace and mercy. Uh, you give them a, a pack of nabs when you pull up at the corner half. Hey, that's cool. Mm. But I would say think about that guy times 10 mm. because for every single mom who's homeless we serve, we know there are 3.2 children Whew. in that household being affected. So if we can help 
a single mom uh, get her bearings up under her and get the foundation she needs and house her for a year and a half, then we're helping four people. Wow. Right. And, and not only are we helping four people, but we're preventing a kind of um, sustaining uh, decay in our community from happening in the lives of those children as they become adults. That's right. Yeah, one of the things we see is that this this whole pattern of homelessness and, and poverty is cyclical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if we can break the pattern in the life of a parent and, and an adult, then we also necessarily are salvaging uh, the future of children and families in our community. And then the community overall, for sure. Community, yeah. Colin Pinckney, our guest right now on Unpacking It with the Harvest Center of Charlotte. And he's also uh, one of the chaplains with the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. And, and so I know you love basketball and, and yeah. love being around the game. And so this year, uh, Hornets missed the playoffs. But, but what were your thoughts kind of on, on the season, Hornets specifically, but, but even in general as well? You know, if, if I'm honest, and I like to be honest, it was heartbreaking this yeah. year. You know, because... Uh, after last season, we thought we had turned the curve. Kimba surely has shown us the way. Mm. I mean, in terms of him giving us his all, and you, you just wish for those guys that just those other key pieces were there, and they turned a big curve. I mean, to be to end the season just two games shy of making the playoffs, man, that's heartbreaking. It was. And everybody felt it. I mean, I'm just old chaplain, and, you know, <laughs> and I felt it, you know, and the whole organization felt it. Um, but, um, but, you know, it also, you know, when you get that close, it keeps you hungry, Mm. you know, and I think that's, what's the hopeful part of this is that to be that close keeps that taste in your mouth. You kind of want to keep, keep it there. And there's, of course, you and I know there are a lot of variables to that and a lot of them I can't control. And as much as I pray, I don't know that God's always concerned about that, but who knows, right? That that's right. And, and just curious, your thoughts on the, the all-star experience, in Charlotte, just as, as a guy who loves the city, yeah. loves the NBA, loves the Hornets, what was your big takeaway? Man, that was a wow. That was a wow. I mean, I just, I didn't, none of us really knew what to expect. I didn't. I was, wasn't the team chaplain last time that the All-Star game was in Charlotte, and surely that it has evolved over the years, um, and it was wow. It's like, I mean, when you see all of that, that all of the, not just the fans who come and all that support the game, but the 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 players, the ex-players who are in oh, town, yeah. and you see the history of this game that's not just, I mean, we, we're always very current in what we're seeing, but when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was gonna walks say, in the room, I was like, going to say that. Like, dude, that guy's real. He's tall, man. Yep. These guys are giants, and they're, a lot of times they're gentle giants. I was, I was really impressed with the, the humility of the guys who come back and who honor the game. There's a, there's a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. There surely is a brotherhood in this league for those guys. Uh, and to see that in our city, and I think the city did a really good job of welcoming the NBA. And I saw the NBA players and coaches do a lot of positive things in our community for the time they had. I mean, I don't know if you saw what Steph Curry and his family did downtown at the at the Carroll Hefner Center. You know, totally revamped that place. Awesome. Just did some great, you know, great uplift. Uh, gave us a good shot in the arm, and and I got a funny feeling that they'll be back sooner than later. Oh, that'd here. be great! Um, yeah. And but the, here's here's the great part uh, that a lot of uh, average NBA fans may not know: every NBA team has at least one chaplain. Most have two, mm. and so and the NBA players have actually in their uh, bargaining agreement made it clear that they have to have chaplaincy as part of their livelihood in the NBA. Awesome. So us chaplains are safe, man. We can't be fired or nothing, but that's good. Uh, but we don't get paid either. But but that would mess it up. But 
the fact that these players who play this game say we need this and to learn the history of that. That mm. goes back to Bobby Jones and Dr. J. Wow. I didn't know that. It was wow, 31 cool. years ago that Bobby Jones and Dr. J, you know, rallied the, the Sixers to say, hey, we want this. And the first Bible study in the NBA was with those two guys and a trainer hmm. 31 years ago. And here they are, and Bobby Jones was here this year. To he was honored. Honored and, and just kind of refreshed that and re-upped the commitment. And to hear the commissioner, out, uh, uh, Adam Silver, say, guys, and directly to us chaplains, we see you, we know you're here, and we appreciate you. Thank you for what you do. Oh, that's neat. This was at a special chaplain's event. Yeah, special chaplain's event. We actually had, during the NBA All-Star Weekend, we were hosted full all three days oh. uh, at the local NBA hotel. We had full access. We got to go to all the events. And we got our own private meetings with NBA, uh, the top brass of the NBA, and several retired players came in to encourage us. Um, and it was just a great feel to see. Them, and this was the first time they'd done that. Oh, it was. Where they brought, yeah, this is the oh. first time where all the NBA chaplains came to Charlotte. They were part of the NBA event. And as a result of that, we all plan to be in Chicago next year. Man, so we're it's So awesome. we're get, you know, it's getting a little bit, it's becoming strategic. Um, and it's, it, to, to know, to see where we are this year with the NBA All-Star Weekend and know the history where it came from, I think it's just one of those, it's a testament of God's faithfulness. Yeah. Uh, for people who would seek him, that he has made provision. So Amen. It was, it was, it was a pretty special time to think how important and valuable it is when the chaplains are connected around the league because these players are going to a chapel service before games yeah. you know, every other night of the week. That's and right. if you guys can have some synergy and know what's going on, and that, that's big. That is big. And, and you got to think about it. you got, you got 32 teams. you got all these chaplains. And if we can get on the same page, man, we think about the great work oh, that yeah. could be done for the kingdom. And we're, so we're, we're more excited than ever before. Man. To, to really be uh, intentional about the work of chaplaincy for these players and their families yeah. and, and the coaches. I mean, one of the things that's over the years, especially in Charlotte, has kind of grown is, you know, coaches are starting and some of the other people in the organization really embracing the chaplaincy process and some of the top brass. I won't mention any names. Yeah, but they, yeah. they really get behind this. So it's a real deal. That's awesome. So as much as we love watching these guys for, for their performances and how talented they are, you get to know a lot of these guys on a, on a personal level, you a do. spiritual level. Yeah. So what's that like as a chaplain, just kind of watching the NBA through that lens? Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, it's kind of demystifying because I'm a true fan of the game, and I love the team aspect of, of sport, NBA teams and all that. But being a chaplain, you get to sit with guys from both sides. You get to, you know, uh, get a chance to minister and reach out to guys on other teams. And you, and, and you become a fan of the players themselves, of the individual, which at the end of the day, it, it helps remind you, that's what I'm here for anyway, oh, yeah, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm not here. You know, it's okay to root for a team, but at the end of the day, I'm rooting for players. I'm watching this series, and I tell you, Vic Oladipo is, is as solid as they come in his faith. And every time I see that guy play, I just think about how it, it, it's a blessing to see a guy who's got that kind of physical talent but also has his head and his heart and his spirit in the right place. That He's, he's also being a, a superstar, as it, were, as, as it were, in the spiritual world. Mm, he's a man awesome. of faith, and, and I love that about him. And there's others in the league. You know, that's why the playoffs are special because you see the Steph Currys of the, of the league and the Iguodala's and – and the Westbrooks, and those guys are men of faith. You know, mm -hmm. Kevin Durant, you know, um, but, you know, they, they play a sport that requires them to kind of take on a different personality. <laughs> <laughs> but in the locker room, they're men of faith, and that that's makes it special to get to watch the, 
watch the playoffs and see them out there doing their thing. Well, and plus two, you know what they're going through off the court. And oh, you, yeah. You know the, the struggles that, that aren't sure. necessarily public. And, yeah. And so you watch them not only just compete but overcome some of those those personal family struggles that, that they're facing. Yeah, you know, and long before there's ever a special on ESPN about the their dilemmas, you know, sitting with these guys throughout the course of the year, you get to know, you get real sensitive to the fact that they're real men, they're, they're, they're young men, they've got hopes and dreams, and they don't all have to do with basketball. They, right. they talk about their families a lot. Mm. You, know, you know, I always ask them, how can I be praying for you? And, and without fail, they say, pray for my family. Wow. You know, it says a lot about them, that they are still very connected to family, and that means something to them. And, you know, and um, so I, I think if the average fan knew how deeply committed some of these guys are, man, that the NBA could market that to, at a whole nother level, right? Hmm. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate because a lot of times guys who are in the sports arena, when they, you know, when they share their faith, they get ostracized, yeah. as it were, you know. Uh, you think about what Tim Tebow's gone through. Uh, but there are men of faith in the league, and it's great to see them You just talk about regular life and stuff. Yeah, well, because <laughs> there's something about football and the NFL and college football where there is an openness for, for guys and their faith. It just seems yeah. a little bit more common, a little it bit does. more a part right. of the fabric of the sport. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem that same way with basketball and the NBA. Yeah, it doesn't. And, and I'm not sure why that is because a lot of these guys know each other, you know. Interesting. Uh, we've got a couple of guys here today at our tournament. Um, you know, Aaron Curry, he's a he's in a former NFL guy. But he knows a lot of the guys in the, in the NBA. You know, they, they mm-hmm. know each other and they encourage each other. And when they know they're believers – you know, they, they pray for each other. So uh, I'm not quite sure why that is in the NBA because, you know, every NBA team has a chaplain. That's right. That, that, the, you know, and, they, and they, every NBA game, an hour before the game, starts with a chapel service. That's cool. So there, there's a lot of um, faith influence in the league. It's just I'm not quite sure why folks um, don't necessarily get to appreciate that as much about NBA ball players as they do as NFL guys. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. fascinated by that. Well, so you mentioned the chapels an hour beforehand. Mm-hmm. What is kind of the, the general theme or format, or what, what do you try to accomplish in that, that time as you lead that? Yeah, well, first the thing I'm very aware of is that these guys are there to play basketball, right? It's, They're focused this on is, that. Uh, this, is their, this is their job. This is work, right? Um, and, and, and being that that's the case, you know, what they understand that they're, they're focused on what they're about to do, uh, but also that they're they're thoughtful enough to know that their faith is important, and in that moment before the game, they break away, you know. And we do a devotional time. It's a very intentional time. It's 20 minutes. Uh, you know, we give them the word, we pray, we encourage them. I mean, it's it's much like a small group Bible study. Oh, that's cool. I mean, we literally open up the Bible and and we share scripture and context, and um, we pray and. And this whole year, this past season, the theme for me, and every chaplain does their own thing, uh, but um, the whole theme this year, I just focused on prayer. Cool. And we unpacked prayer the entire season in every way we could, prayers in the Psalms, prayers of the saints, prayers of Christ, and how prayer is such an effectual part of any believer's life. And it's true for them, too. So, so yeah. It. That's a great, great theme. And beyond the pre-game chapel service, what other kind of roles fall under your chaplaincy? Well, so I'll give you one very real example. Our, uh, last week I received a call um, from um, the guy who is the voice of the, of the uh, Hornets, and everybody knows him. 
He's that voice that you hear calling games. Uh, but, but he's been very ill the last couple of years. Mm. Uh, and I received a call um, a week ago, and I would submit this for prayer for the, your listening audience. You know, he's in a declining state of health. Mm. And, but to be brought into that and get the call to say, hey, he's not doing well. Can you, can you check on him? Can you yeah. call him? And a lot of that kind of just being there for other members of the organization who have, whether it's health needs or other just encouragement needs or spiritual needs. I mean, it's not just the players. I mean, when I'm in the arena, you know, it's, for, you know, it's a blessing because uh, the people are aware that we're here and we'll stop and pray for them, the security guards. Oh, that's great. Anybody. So, yeah, so it's grown, and there's definitely appreciation for it. Uh, my my next dream is that they'll start playing some good gospel music during the game. There you go. Would that be play, a change? Yeah, wouldn't that be nice, man? <laughs> get some Kirk Franklin on the cray up in there. Man, and, just and, throw me, throw me yeah, one. Yeah, give throw me, me just, one. Yeah, so. Colin Pinckney, our guest right now on Unpacking It. We're here at the Harvest Center of Charlotte uh, Top Golf Tournament and uh, having a great time. I guess it's the second annual tournament here, and, yes. and glad to be back here uh, with, with Unpacking It as well. And, and final thought, uh, we're partnered on an awesome event coming up June 1st called Man Up Charlotte. Yes. G- give my listeners a big pitch. I've been pitching it, but man, let's hear it from look, you. Listen, man, if you're listening, and not just men, women, this is, you know, I, I, when this event came last year, my expectations were pretty low. Uh, and having a participated last year, I can tell you this is the event that our city has to get behind from a, from a spiritual fr- perspective. Uh, a great opportunity for men, churches, small groups to come out, fellowship with other men, but also be equipped and discipled and, and encouraged in their walk with the Lord as men. Because we know in this day and time, man, there's such a need for healthy, whole biblical male leadership in our community and that does not mean dominance and arrogance it does mean servant leadership but we've raised a generation of young men who really don't know what that is that's right, right. that we have we it's been you know it's been sanitized in a lot of ways and i think the opportunity now is to help recalibrate manhood for this generation and the next and i think man up's a perfect place to do that Man Up Charlotte, June 1st, and we're fired up about it. You can check out manupcharlotte.org. He's Colin Pinckney. Great to be with you, man. Glad to have you here on the show. Hey, Bryce, you are the best, man. I appreciate you. Love God. Love you and love what the Lord's doing in you, man. Keep up the great work. Amen. You do the same, All right, and, and we appreciate it. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.